Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley. And we have a saying round here. It goes, hey Brad, hey Stu, superstar DJs, here we go. So yeah, Stu, how you doing? <laughs> I was a blast from the past. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, not doing too bad. Uh, yeah, I love Chemical Brothers. And I like a lot of sort of electronic and synth wave and vaporwave stuff that's been coming out as well. So, yeah, try and keep my ear to the ground with new music, but Chemical Brothers, yeah, superb. Yeah, well, I, I, there was a few I was going to go with because um, one of them is my, my, my son, Lucas, does not believe that I was in the So Solid crew. Oh, does he not? Fine. Like, oh. Does not believe it. And I said, I said, mate, mate, back when I lived in Romford, when I was, you know, late teens, early 20s, me and Lisa Mafia were like that. I went, mean, Romeo was a bit of a dick, but, <laughs> you know, we put up with him. We put up with him. And he said, but Dad, you're not in the video. And I went, no, I'm not in the video home, no. Oh, yes. Nice, nice. And he didn't laugh. He didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I did. And it was worth the setup, definitely. And, uh, yeah, the, the lasting cultural impact of So Solid Crew. I um, I still, me and my wife still go, uh, Romeo done when we've done something, like finished something. <laughs> yeah. We still do that. Um, but, uh, no, we, 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 for the last three years, um, we've been running this, convincing him that I was in the So Solid Crew. That's superb. And it's great because when you know your friends as well, when you know your friends, he won't listen to the podcast. It's too, he doesn't want to listen to two 40-somethings talk about video games. He's not going to listen to it. Um, but when you know your friends and you could just sit there randomly and just go, oh, by the way, right, tell Lucas, weren't I in the So Solid crew? And they go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you believe your dad? <laughs> Oh, that's a great long game to play. In fact, that's one of the best reasons to have kids, so you can play the long game on them like that. Yeah. Well, just just one more side before we go into what we we should be talking about. Um, for years, I got away with never having to do fireworks at home because until he was about thirteen, from about three till about thirteen, he would be like, "Oh, Dad, can we have fireworks at home?" And I was like, "I can't, Lucas." I failed the fireworks test, <laughs> um, and I'm not allowed to do fireworks at home. You know, oh, oh, wait, yeah, you've got to take a test, and if you fail, you're not allowed. You go, well, can you take the test again? Uh, I would, but the rules state you've got to wait 20 years. <laughs> and he believed that until he was about 13. Oh, that's really good. Ironically, um, the... Now, sorry. that should happen, yeah, I, was I think. Say. That's maybe something that should happen. <laughs> yeah, the world would be a far better place if it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, you you need a test to have a pet, or you need to prove you can have a have a pet these days. But hey, anyone can have a kid. <laughs> I was talking about the fireworks test, but you know, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, I think you should have a test to have kids. Will you wind them up? Of course, I will. What band will you convince them that you was once in? <laughs> I'm gonna have to work so, out which one I can use for my nieces and nephews now as well. Yeah. Well, so Sonic Crew works, especially for me, because a lot of them were from Romford, and I'm from Romford, and there's, like, loads of people in the So Sonic Crew. Yeah. Yeah. So, there were, like, 700 when they first came out, and then two weeks later, about half of that were in prison, weren't they, I think? Yeah, yeah, Or working down the market. Yeah. <laughs> I can say uh, 
that I was in Manson because they were about the same age as me as they were coming when they came out. And uh, Hanson Manson with an M. Oh, not Bop. Not them. <laughs> I think convincing people I was from, from California might be a little bit of a struggle. Uh, the only Manson I can think of is Charles Manson. I, I'm not sure you want to admit to being part of that family. Oh, you, don't, you don't remember Manson? All oh, right, no, oh, not fair off play. Head. I'll have to look him up afterwards. Yeah, look him up, or I'll put a link somewhere for people. Yeah, Talk, they were from Chester. Talking of themes, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Talking of themes that um, people may never have heard of, I've been playing some video games that people probably have never heard of, and you've been playing some video games that some people might have heard of. So. Let's move on, Stu, what you've been playing. Yeah, we exist in that nether realm of games that may or may not exist. And if people don't Google them, you know, we could just make it up and just say, like, looking around my room now, I've been playing Cardboard Metal Tin. And I keep, like, you know, people will be like, oh, right, yeah, that sounds interesting. Nobody would ever know. That, uh, that sounds like that could be an indie deck builder, roguelike. Exactly, do you know what I mean? And it's good to just... And I, I, I now want it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you in the post. Wait, I'll get it. Just free to you for the low price of a hundred quid. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing more with micro transactions as with well. micro transactions. Yeah, which is just me sending you extra little bits of paper in the post. Um, <laughs> I've been playing Resident Evil Three Remake, uh, which I talked about the other Never week. Heard of it? Yeah, yeah. So I bought it because Start with, starting with sorry, I'll tell you, I just started with these bloody indies. I know. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I put it down as you know flirting with triple A. It's uh, it's probably a double A game if such a thing makes sense. Um, Sorry, Brad's feeling better. Clearly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's it's really kind of a good follow on slash homage to the original Resident Evil Three. Uh, it kind of takes it in a slightly different direction, but that was a kind of maligned entry in the series but i think only because it kind of fell into the same trap that uh maybe even forza 5 in that something's very very similar to it came out comparatively not that long ago um yeah and it doesn't bring so much new to the table that it's like oh yeah that totally justifies his existence and so years down the line you go oh yeah no it was a solid entry and ironically enough that's exactly what happened with the origin, original Resident Evil 3. Uh, it came out yeah. too soon to two, and people were like, yeah, yeah, it's more of the same. But it's actually pretty solid. And it happened again with the remakes. It was brought out too soon after. Um, yeah, it kind of came out like Resident Evil 2. There was like, wow, okay, that, that's been in for a while. Yeah, I'll go up for that. And they kind of went, already? Yeah, yeah. That's it. You wait, you wait, you know, 20 years for a remake and then two come along at once. Uh, and, it, you know, they always suffer and it was poor planning by Capcom. But anyway, uh, I played it through. So you can listen to the other bit that I did on it. But the added bit is that I've been doing it on at speed, not to a proper speed run, but, you know, doing it fast to meet the challenges and stuff. Um, oh, rather than on speed. Rather than on speed. Yeah. Because it, it would be very frustrating experience on speed when you're trying to speed run. Because ironically, you're doing much less in a speed run than you are when you're playing a game properly. You're just running past yeah. most stuff. So I'd be like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like that feels on speed. Anyway, yeah, so I've been doing it at at pace, let's say. And I managed to get uh, an S rank for doing it in one hour 30. 
uh, which was quite impressive, I thought. No saves, no healing items. Did use the infinite rocket launcher that I'd bought with my credits. Uh, but yeah, so um, it's a it's a great game to speedrun, uh, great fun to do like that, and nice and short. And as I said in the other bit when I was talking about it, what's great about them is that the first time you play through, it's all creeping around and shooting everything and getting into sticky situations. And then when you play it again, after you've completed it, it's like a completely different experience. You run around, you avoid most things, you min-max it, and it's all about how how quick you can do it. Uh, so yeah, I've been enjoying it in that completely separate way the second time round. So what I want to ask, what did you say your time was? One hour 30. One hour 30, right. See, now... I've just been looking up. I wasn't like going, oh, let's see if he's bullshitting or anything like that. But I thought, oh, what's the record? Because that sounds really, really fast. <laughs> um, to be fair, I am super impressed because the record is 47 minutes and two seconds. Yeah. I, it's at the level where you get into tiny little increments of, um, you know, shaving time off when you go towards proper speedruns. But, I mean, even that is a massive yeah. amount. But, um, yeah, that, that would be like... That's no weapons, like no special weapons, like, you know, just avoiding everything, anything that you don't need, not making any mistakes in your directions, and then also exploiting little glitches as well. Um, right. I've watched some speed you see, if you, if you, if you used to get a recording of your speed run, your 1 hour 30 would get you, are you ready for this, on the leaderboard at 135th. <laughs> on the speedrun.com leaderboard very good what What are the conditions for that though because it might say you know no special weapons or you know stuff like that oh, I don't know <laughs> full game no intro is uh, what it says uh, yeah oh very good a few rules right must be played on the PC version no unlockables are allowed ah there you go no rocket launcher so yeah, I would be considerably uh, worse without the rocket launcher. Ah, uh, well, that's over. That dream's <laughs> over. You could have put us on the map, <laughs> I might give it a go. I might see how fast I can do it without the rocket launcher. Yeah, I reckon you've got the patience to do speed runs. Yeah. Um, I've can, I've got the patience to do a speed run, but I need someone else to do all the training for me, so I've just got to do the short bit. Otherwise, I get too distracted. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I I'm really really impressed. I am sorry that that is good. I I've not speed run anything ever. Um, I just can't. Um, I'm a filthy casual when it comes to that kind of thing. But <laughs> no, one hour thirty. That's really good. I don't care if you've unlocked something. That's just a really good time. Ah, cheers. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. It's got uh, a load of. It knows that it's going to be part of the speedrun community because it's got a load of challenges in its menu, like in a bonus menu. Um, yeah. and, and they're all ba- pretty much based around time. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. It's, a, it's one of those that's very speedrunner friendly. And it's the kind of game that if you buy it and you just you play it once through, it's a little, probably a little bit disposable. Yeah. But with a lot of Resi games, there's, there's loads, loads of loads of layers. Like, um, last thing I'll say on it, uh, what's it called? Uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 is a not very good game, but... It's mercenaries mode, you know, the one where you're just doing it against the clock and it's like a horde mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the best of the, any of them I've played. It's it's superb and it's worth buying just for that mode because it's really excellent. 
Yeah, I, there, there, there are some games out there, got it, where you, like, you play it and you play it normally and it's like, uh, uh, and then others that you just go, right, the game's just, yeah, it's fun, but the speed run of it, yes, yes, yes. And I see there's two types of speed run I like. One where it's just pure, I'm just going to watch me go crazy on this game and how good I am at this game. So like a Super Meat Boy or a Celeste or something like that. Um, and then the other type of speed run where you break the game completely to speed run it. Yeah. Um, they're my two favourites. Yeah. Yeah, they're cool. I, I love watching them. I love the ingenuity that people have discovering. Yeah, when's the, when's the next one due? The next big one? Uh, the next one. Well, summer games are awesome, isn't there? So. Yeah, well, I'm not sure when awesome is. Um, I have to look it up. But yeah, no, it's always good. Yeah, no, I enjoy that. I do. Um, the complete opposite of a speed run. I've been playing a game, which is always helpful, called Train Life, a railway simulator. Yeah. Now, I picked this up. I I put a request in for this quite a while back, and I'd heard nothing back, and I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, And I just thought this was just going to be, I mean, it's on Steam. The game's on Steam for just over 13 quid. I thought, do you know what? This is going to be a pretty low-budget knockoff of, like, Train Sim World or something like that, one of like the like like most. And then I got a code two weeks ago from a PR team and gave it a go. Oh my goodness! I'm um, really, 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 really liking this game. So it's not trying to be Train Sim World at all. It looks like it, but it's not. It's basically. It's the only way I can describe it. It's Euro Truck Simulator, but with trains. Right, right. Um, so when you play the train sims or Microsoft Flight Simulator, yes, or you do your own little challenges in your head, or you're like, oh, I'm doing this for real, blah, blah, blah. Um, with this, but you, you actually go in and you've got contracts to fill and, and things like that. So you've got like cargo contracts you can do, or you can switch and you can do like um, like passenger or postal contracts. Um, and the idea is to build up your company. Like your company is like running trades and you, you, you want the business. So very similar to what you get in Euro Truck Simulator. So on the cargo side of it, you might go and pick up oil or something like that, crude oil from a docks or, or wherever. And then you need to take that to a refinery. And it's got this hierarchy of how it all leaks in. So you might do that. And then later on, there might be a contract that says, right, we've refined this oil and some of it needs to go here to help with this. This part, it's been turned into gasoline or fuel and it needs to go here. And you have to do like this structure of contracts you you have to do. And um, I found it really, really interesting. It's not as in-depth or detailed. It's like mostly based in Germany at the moment, but they plan on expanding it out to a bunch of other European countries. But it's like, yeah, just doing the contracts and sort of like traveling through like a, a shortened version of Germany, shall we say, where you've got um, to, you have to like control the trade. So you've got all the trade things you've got to do. You've got to like plan your routes. And that means sort of like requesting access to go through stations um, or sort of like get access to do deliveries or pickups. Loads of little things like that. And you get rewarded for doing well you get punished for not doing well you have to hire um, employees and they will then drive other trades you've possibly bought 
and they will do other little jobs for you on a repeated cycle, which gives you like passive income and stuff like that. Um, and it's just a really fun game. I'm stepping back from it for a bit because it is um, an early access game. There's a, like they've they've got a planned roadmap, and it's very early in the roadmap still. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's just just such good fun. A few little bugs, sound issues, stuff like that. Like engines don't sound proper at times, and it could do some quirky things when you play your route, take you on the uh, the wrong side of the track. Because I found out, apparently, trains in the UK drive on the left and trains in Europe drive on the right, just like cars. Oh, didn't right. know that. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I, I just thought they used the tracks however it was done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I know, really, I mean, it's a Nacon uh, publishing it. But honestly, it is so, so good. I, I went into it with low expectations. And it's early access and it's very stable. It's very playable. But there's things like AI is not properly implemented, so there's no other real like danger of other like trains on the track. But I think adding this gameplay element to a sim like this, it just really, really, really works. And the like, it, you can go quite in depth, like negotiating deals and stuff like that, and really build your empire. But yeah, no, I, I ended up going to give it a quick go. But I think I spent about four or five hours on it in the end. Well, I mean, that sounds really good. Obviously, it's not my sort of a thing, but it does sound solid and a competitor to the stuff that's out there. So one thing that it cropped up, I think, with, with uh, Laura K. Buzz talking about was the exploitation of people with train simulators because they will buy all the DLC. So yeah. what's the DLC potential situation like with that one? So... Obviously, with anything like this, the DLC potential is they could add in loads of trades and loads of extra tracks and sort of build on it. But I think because it's a game rather than just a simulator, I don't think they're going to be able to expand it and do like hundreds of different little DLC, like individual trades or tracks or anything like that, because I think it would break the game. So expansions are possible. But I don't think it's going to need them to be like to get a good experience from it. You're not going to feel shortchanged. Um, even playing the early access version, I don't feel shortchanged. But again, because it is that sort of game, it is a simulator. Yes, the opportunity is there, but hopefully they don't. Uh, I mean, the game's only for like I, I, this is a bit I can't get over my head for how good this is so far. It's just over thirteen quid. And I can't work out how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's some kind of, are they laundering money and this is how they're doing it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, when we talked about it a while ago, I mentioned, and, and you did as well, that I think that the core market is there. Like it will keep selling and you don't have to keep discounting it because people will always buy it. Yeah. Uh, which is great. You know, as long as they're not exploiting people by then going, oh, and it's uh, there's ten ninety nine DLC every five minutes, and you know the total cost is a thousand pounds. But yeah, no, I think that might be an explanation why they can have it comparatively low, just because it will keep selling forever. Yeah. Oh, possibly. Yeah. And uh, what I'm really surprised. I mean, this won't be in my game of the year list because it's early access. So uh, yeah, but next could could well be next year. Uh, I mean, I don't exclude early access, but it's early access enough that it's not good enough. Like, it's too many bugs for me to put it in any kind of list at the moment. But that's two trade games this year I've played. 
that are right up there. And I, yeah, I'm a changed person. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to start seeing, particularly next year and maybe the year after, a lot of kind of virtual tourism stuff that could, because people don't, people can't go places as much as they used to. Um, might see yeah. quite a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, this is what's not to go on. This is what's gutted about the situation with Activision and Ubisoft because they could create some magical, like really real world places that are just like, just so in depth, and realistic, like take you back in history in the case of like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that, that you could get exposed to things that you've got no chance of getting exposed to. Unfortunately, they're made by companies that appear and utter scum. I know, I know. It's it's all awful when something you really want to play is or a style is locked up by a particular uh, publisher. It's it's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're not going to speak about them at the moment. We're going to wait for all those situations to settle and know what's going on with them before we we discuss them. Yeah. Um, again, solidarity with all the walkouts and everything. Um, we are behind you. But yeah, no, that's it. Trade, tra- trade life. It's a it, uh, Simtarak, the the developers, um, published by Nacon, who are they're like like semi heels in wrestling. <laughs> like, <laughs> you kind of every now and again you boo them, but it's like yeah, they're okay, really. I suppose. <laughs> who knows? But yeah, no, trade life. It's really good. I, I'm really happy with it. Excellent. So, what what unknown title have you played? unknown uh yeah no not an unknown although it might be which is a bit weird because it's one of the absolute crown jewels of the vr world and that is lone echo 2 which is a brand new game this year people long-term listeners of the podcast will remember i played it i played the first game about six months ago more than that even actually i think it was towards the beginning of 2021 because the it finally got a price drop and I'm a cheap gamer and it got dropped down to something like ooh, I don't know, fifteen and quid or something like that. And the reason being that Lone Echo two was supposed to be due out in the spring. And then it got pushed and pushed and pushed and it came out ugh, about a couple of months ago, ultimately, uh, or a month ago. And I was like, well, it's a bit soon since playing the first game for me, but I want to have the opportunity to put it on my games of the year list if I possibly can. Mm. And there's a, there's a big thing about that. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's a big thing for me about that because I do think that you kind of raise people's awareness of games when you, you put them in a game of the year list. Yeah, I think, you know, if it's just like your general opinion in the week, because we put 52 opinions out <laughs> a year... Um, you know, it, people go, oh, yeah, well, I don't really remember. Um, but with the games of the year, you get the feeling that people might pay more attention, mainly because I definitely pay more attention to stuff if if people do that, if they put them in those kinds of a list, which is just a long way of saying, you know, I wanted to get it played so I could raise its profile as well. So yeah. I've put about two hours on it so far, not a massive amount, and it's a direct continuation of the previous game. It picks up the plot. Ex- almost exactly where it was left off. Um, it was ended very cleverly in the first one in that the e- experience and adventure that you were on completed successfully, but the bigger, wider mystery and adventure was still going on in the background. Um, so it picks up that bigger adventure and makes that more personal. From a... I'll talk about the technical side first. It's absolutely lovely. It's a really good-looking 
VR game, of which, you know, there are many that are aesthetically nice, but not many that are very powerful because they tend to go for lowest common denominator so that the most number of people can play them on their hardware, which is totally fine. This seems to have a very well-optimised engine so that it does things really, really well. And from a layman's point of view, it looks to me like they've gone for, you know, fairly simple on a polygonal level it's fairly simple but what they excel in is stuff like volumetrics lighting transparencies or reflections all that sort of stuff um yeah so they've done it in a way that you know it's kind of hyper real and stuff like that but you know it's it's really solid uh so it works beautifully and it looks great. It looks absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best looking VR games, definitely. Uh, on, the, on the sort of gameplay side, I've not really come up against much that isn't the same as the first game yet, but I think it's going to go there. Um, but the most important thing is like the script and the atmosphere. And it's got a fantastic script. It's very much like... It's got that level of intelligence behind it that's similar to like Portal and Portal 2, where it's clever, it's witty... It doesn't rely on tropes um, too much. And, and where Lone Echo 2 completely excels is that it's very humanist, it's very kind, there's no violence in the game, there's, a- there's action and there are events and consequence and you're doing environmental stuff all the time and there's threat and danger, uh, but you're not being violent. Um, mm. It's kind of a mix of like Disney's The Black Hole and... 2001 a space odyssey if you kind of smush yeah. those two like one's a space fantasy and one's a completely hard sci-fi and smash them together it's kind of like that it's just pitch perfect it's the best script of any game i've played this year without a shadow of a doubt uh the game itself is is still excellent it hasn't gone in a direction yet that's like totally gone oh this is a, a new a new game rather than a continuation but even if it stays as a continuation it's a continuation of one of the best VR games, and you know I'm not going to complain about that. Awesome. I see. Okay, you talk about VR games, and you make me want to do VR. <laughs> Good. And I can't. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but I love the fact this is like because it's us. You picked a Disney property, but you managed to pick one that, let's say, seven out of ten listeners might go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the black hole. What? Yeah, yeah. Is that like the Black Cauldron? It is. Uh, it's a fascinating story about behind the Black. Oh, it's brilliant. Hole. Yeah, there's a documentary. Oh, it's brilliant. On... Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the film itself is all right. It's worth watching because it's really weird, as you know. Yeah. Uh, very, very odd. Uh, very odd for Disney to do. Very odd, odd as a trip. Triple uh, A. I mean, Buster film, and it turned out to not be. And. Yeah, it's really, really strange and really worth watching. And uh, I think it's quite an apt comparison for, for Lone Echo 2, even though it does, yeah. Lone Echo 2 does everything right. It doesn't do anything yes. wrong. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, so I've, I've made a note that's on my, if I ever get a VR unit again, I will play that. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Sorry to cut you off. One quick no, thing before, you know, before you move on to the next bit. Um I was trying to explain VR to my mom, and I, so yesterday, and I, I, I thought about it really hard. I thought what would be a really good way. So what I did was I said, right, imagine you're looking at the telly because there's the telly in the corner of the room, and I picked up one of the remote controls and held it as you would hold a pad, and I said, you know, yeah, when you play a game, you've got this pad. 
in both hands and it's connected and you're looking at a, a flat thing you're part of that world when you're looking at it but when you move your head away you're not in vr and then here i grabbed another remote control i got control in either hand i said the controls are untethered they're in both hands they've got haptics so they know where your fingers are it knows exactly what you're touching and where the cameras in the headset show exactly in space where your hands are and if you're looking at something in front of you and then look behind you're still in that world and you can touch and interact with anything in that world and i was really chuffing myself because i think that's the best explanation in short that i've ever been able to give of what it's like to be in vr and um i then explained one of the puzzles uh, in the game which is uh, that these creatures are attracted to power to energy and you have to manipulate a crane that's got an energy source on the end of it around an environment to sort of stick them to it like velcro and you're physically like you're flying through space um, because you're in zero gravity you're pushing yourself against the walls to do that and you're doing this with your hands in real life and then you're grabbing this crane and you know and then holding the crane in one hand and then dragging yourself along the rail to pull it with you and it's just i was doing all these actions to show her what it was like and i was like yeah that looked daft but i think it explained vr pretty well talking of uh, looking daft and vr um, have you seen the first episode of the uh, games mastery i haven't yet no i must do that yeah right, right do it one it's brilliant it's everything I wanted it to be. Cool. Um, it's oh yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's brilliant. But they done uh, one of the challenges. They had someone try and beat a, or do like something called Beat Saber. Um, they had a, a an Oculus Quest Two or whatever they call it these days. Yeah, yeah. And they were showing sort of like <laughs> him like showing the action in the thing. I don't know how it looks cool, but they also had him on a green like the guy was doing it on a green screen. And they had everything overlaid, so all like all like it's like the what's it called? All this the mixed reality or what is it type thing they going on? Oh yeah, um, AR style thing. Yeah, yeah. And even with that going on, watching him do it in real life, you kind of still watching it going, "You look awkward as buggery, mate." Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna look cool doing anything in VR. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a good explanation, really. Uh, what you should have then done was stuck a VR unit on her head and put on Ace Combat. <laughs> yeah. Get on with this. <laughs> yeah. I've explained. Yeah, it's like, so that's the basics of car. There's a Ferrari F1. Go and win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a full sim to play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I could have almost segued into my next one, but I won't uh, because that's not my next one. It's the one after. Uh, but yeah so it's interesting especially with a good story as well that you know in, in the in vr game a good story I, I like that as well that that's really good to see yeah. rather than just gimmick so moving on um i've been playing a well i played this a little while ago so just full clarity this this came out quite a while ago and i wanted to get this spoke about before i came down with covid so came out, I double gutted because it came out at the middle of October, and I was still sort of like deep into Tetris Effect connected on the Switch. So this is on the Switch. I played this game, and it kind of went by the wayside a little bit. Then I played it, absolutely loved it. Was going to talk about it, got COVID. So I've been playing a game called The Sundew. Oh, uh, not which, heard of that. Now, what you've got here is a 2D pixel graphics point-and-click adventure. 
that does nothing spectacularly different. It's a classic point and click. And it's got a really good story. So you play as a cyborg cop. Now, not to get confused with a robo cop, because I'm sure there's, you know, some litigation if you did that. (laughs) So you play as a cyborg cop. And you're kind of, I don't want to ruin the story. It's kind of, I'm trying to explain this without trying to ruin the story. Oh, I was trying to think. It's, you start off in this apartment. And, like, you kind of almost sort of, like, abandoned there. There's almost, like, a confusion. And then, like, you sort of, like, go through, do a couple of little tasks and stuff like that. And what, what I, the best way I could describe it, it's a game that's influenced by Blade Runner, because, of course. Um, yeah. But there's other things. And it took me ages. I ended up searching and finding another review that, that, that mentioned it. And I was going, it reminds me of something else that I've seen. Um Something that's crap, but I can't help but like. And it took me ages to go, I can't work it out. It's a bit Johnny Mnemonic. Okay, yeah. As well, in a good way. Um, Right. Like, Johnny Mnemonic, if that was a video game, that story was in a video game, it had been lauded as a great script, everything like that, I think. Didn't work as a film. Yeah, well, it's from a Philip K. Is it Philip K. Dick uh, novel? Yes, it is, yes. Short story. I think so, yeah. yeah. So it's got yeah, it's either that or Alan Moore. No, it is, yeah, Philip K. Dick, yeah. you are. It's got right. good bones um, then as a story, yeah. Yeah, and basically, yeah, you go down this sort of like, uh, this noir-style cyberpunk mixed pixel-based point and click. It's got a really good, expensive story to it. So sort of like you're going through and there's like a conspiracy going on and you've got to unravel it. You are central to it. And you kind of like you meet characters and you find out about your past and and all kinds of little things like that. And it like graphically very good. It's like this is where the Blade Runner stuff I think is, is, is there. It's like the old world is still apparent, but of all with future technology there as well. So that, you know... Blade Runner brought that in. Everyone's going to do something to do with that. So uh, that's why I hate trying to... That's about the only really bit about Blade Runner and Cyborg Cops, obviously. But yeah, you you make decisions in there. You do bits. Um, I don't know if it's branching storyline or not, but it knits together very well. And I've said this before. When I play a game like this, I play once because that's my experience. I very rarely go back again and see what I could have done. And that's the case with, with this. I, I've done my stories. I don't know if it's branching or if there's multiple endings or, or anything like that. But it came to a really satisfying conclusion for me. And one thing I want to talk about um, that this does, I've played some point and clicks where I struggle uh, because it's like they're so obnoxious in there oh you've got to find this and we're going to make it difficult to find this little pixel you must click on this doesn't this has a button you can press where you press the button and it goes hey look we've labeled everything you can click on yeah oh that's good so you can find it easy brilliant brilliant well done thank you very much because that's what i need i don't you know again if you don't want to do that you don't need to do that, but for some of us, yes, please. Especially as, again, I played this, my vision wasn't the best, but it was dark, so I could play it. That's the best thing. It was like dark with light elements. A really good UI. Uh, pixel-based, but really good readable UI on handheld. So 
well done for that. Props for that. But I needed help at times. Like, going, well, I've clicked this. I think I've clicked this. I don't know if I've clicked this. But pressing that button, bringing up the labels. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant accessibility options. Again, you know, I would like personally voice acting, but I don't know how big this little studio, how big this studio is, what funding they have, or whether it would have ruined it. I don't know, but I personally would like it. But I'm not going to hold them to account for that because I mean, Disco Elysium, biggest title or one of the best review titles the last couple of years had a budget, so they then added in that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm not going to call these out on it because it's done a fantastic job of other accessibility options. Uh, but yeah, absolutely brilliant game. Also, main character is called Anna Isobi or Isobe or, or, or whatever. Female character, doesn't matter though. It's not brought to attention that it, she's female. It doesn't play a part, just is a woman in the role. Yeah. That's basically it. Oh, that's really so, good. Yeah, yeah, credit for that as well. They, they've written a realistic woman into a future sci-fi game. She wears a jacket. Um, to, to the point is, until they called around, I didn't even know it was a woman. Yeah. Because just was wears normal clothes. Brilliant. Well done. Credit to these guys. Self-published, self-developed, pure indie. Oh, brill. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. Yeah, I might have to check that out. And principally because... No matter all the good things you said about it, the principal thing being that it labels stuff that you hover over. Because, yeah, I'm like you. I, pro- you know, maybe for different reasons, don't know, but I am terrible at point and clicks. Like, I, yeah. my brain just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work very well tracking that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, have, having that would, you know, might make it something I really enjoy. Yeah, story, story, I say, the story's good. The story will drag you in. And many pointer clicks... See, this is the thing. A lot of pointer clicks have really good stories. I fought through, like, the Sam and Max games, and they are control-wise. I'm sorry, anyone who, who twitches off because these are terrible control-wise. They don't... It never highlights how I want it to highlight and, and stuff like that. And a lot of the old, like, Amiga and, like, those sort of era uh, point-and-clicks where they're just so obtuse that I was like, ah. Oh, oh. But the stories are really good. It's just, like, just make it so I can actually do the story. And just, yeah, that inclusion of a button. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, it's another one of those that I'm most likely to check out on the uh, Steam Deck when it finally arrives, if it ever arrives. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's just over, just over eleven quid on Steam. I can't remember how much it was on on Switch. And yeah, you'll get that value out of it. But I can understand why people might wait for a sale or something like that. I think it's really good handheld. So if you are waiting for a Steam Deck to play it, I think that is a great place to play it or say fire the switch if you if you could cash it there at the right price yeah cool good stuff so any more from you no not really no it's uh i've, I've got a couple that i've just bought and downloaded in the steam sale really cheap but very good so mm. i'm gonna be talking about them next week without shadow of a doubt but that's it. have you touched halo yet no i i played the the flight that we talked about in a previous episode yes. but i've not had chance to try and organize my mates to have a game and i you know there's no i don't really enjoy playing them on my own uh multiplayer yeah and also in a way i'm kind of holding on for experience in it and fully and properly in the single player first kind of thing uh 
Yeah, because that's what you do with Halo. Yeah, 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 I feel like you do. Um, but I can't wait for that. I, I, as everyone knows, I'm a huge Halo fan, and I don't play a lot of S- FPS games, but that that one is like, oh yeah, can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm hearing the reception of it so far. It's uh, timing couldn't be any better with, I say, Call of Duty being crap, Battlefield being crap. Yep. And yeah, it seems to be Halo's gone. Hey, hey. Hey, Over here, yeah. Um, oh, by, by the way, by the way, do you know we got delayed a year? We got mocked for it, and then Cyberpunk came out, and that was bad because they crunched it. Look, no crunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's ready when it's ready, and look, it's ready. That's right. Yep. Yeah, good guy, Microsoft. Um, they've got to do something soon to really screw screw everyone over. They've got to. Well, I've not looked into because it in much... they're on a roll. <laughs> yeah. I've not looked into it in much detail, but apparently, like, if you buy all of the um, all the extras and DLC and stuff in the Halo multiplayer, then it can cost about a grand. But as that's a free-to-play game, I'm not sure it really really classed as being a... A dirty tactic? I don't know. I don't, don't know. I take it all it. that is like again. I hate excusing it. I assume that's cosmetics. Mainly. I'm not entirely sure. I'd need to look into it a bit more before I answer. But I'm pretty sure it's mostly cosmetics. I would would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think I've heard anything about it being like pay to win or anything like that. So yeah, fingers um, crossed. Yeah. 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 Fingers crossed. Um, so, but okay, I've been playing one more. So, do you know the film Jeepers Creepers? This is a weird yeah. segue, by the way. But do you know the film Jeepers Creepers? I do, yeah. And every 23 years, it comes back and it eats. Yep. Every couple of years, I get the urge to play a Grand Strategy 4X game. Right. <laughs> uh, I told you that's a tenuous link. Yeah, a little bit, but I like it. So, <laughs> yeah. let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I got a... A promo email from, uh, I can't remember who it was now, from one of the PR companies going, hey, DLC's out for Stellaris. And I keep getting Stellaris confused with um, Stasis, the uh, the point-and-click isometric space horror game, which yeah. people should check out, by the way. Yeah. I keep going, oh, DLC for Stasis. Oh, no, it's Stellaris. That's a 4X four, four game. I've never played it. It's always scared me. So I went... Oh, I'd love. I reply, but I'd love to play that. But I need the base game as well, as I've you know I've not got it. And they went, "Oh, it's the entire pack. It's got everything the game's ever released." Oh, right, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a lot of game. Um, Jeez, anyway, yeah, 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 it is. Um, I went. I don't know when I'll get to the DLC, the new DLC for it um, because I've never played these before, and I'm crap. And he went, "Ah, whatever." So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about this probably. I'm, I'm very tempted to, to try and do a series with this as my vision comes back, do do like a few streams and stuff like that. Basically, it's a 4X game. Um, I'm not going to try to explain much about it apart from my early experience. So I booted up Stellaris. And wait, right, into the tutorial we go. And five minutes later, I cried in the corner for about half an hour. Yep. I just went, I don't know what I'm doing. What's going on? What are all these words? What? Um, And then I went, right, okay. YouTube. YouTube's a good thing. And I found a video of someone who does, like, oh, here's the basic Stellaris. And, like, pretty much only they video. They go, don't do the tutorial. It's confusing. Just one point of note, all games companies, if you're going to have a tutorial, 
The tutorial has to be something that allows people to understand your bloody game. Not expect everyone knows it. Um, just just point out. Just it's not just not just Paradox with Stellaris. There's lots of games like that. But yeah, so I watched a few of the basics, and essentially, yeah, it, 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 the guy who done that made it make more sense. So you kind of almost like I chose like an Earth faction, and you do the you know exploring, you gather your resources, you expand, and it's, there's a lot of that early on. So it's quite a slow build, very early, which I really really like, and um, like the flavor text that goes with everything is really interesting. Like I went, I'm planning on just ignoring most of it but i found myself reading it um it's like a few paragraphs for each like major oh each little bit each major bit whatever you find and yeah like it, like there's loads of different alien races in there I mean, it's a space-based game so of course there is and i feel like i'm making progress but I, you know I, I got to a point where i have died but i don't think i'm that far in um but yeah it's really good the discovery aspect is really good so one thing i want in space games is i want to feel like i'm discovering yeah whereas i've played some space games where it just doesn't feel like i'm discovering something new and it's just like yeah okay yeah it's space and you just you somehow made like infinite universe seem boring yeah there's a definite feeling of discovery and like I was going to places and like some like again with, with these you go to discover some places and it's like it's really good and you get maybe like loads of resources coming you can go somewhere and it's like a completely sort of like barren wasteland or you can go somewhere and it could lead to a catastrophic event and stuff like that so each new one you kind of on tenterhooks you're like oh what's it gonna find what's it gonna find you know I get why people like blind bags but yeah, no, I I, I really enjoyed it, and then I've worked out like you could go like um like strategic wise as well. You could become like go like warmonger or something like that, or you could do diplomacy, and it's the resources you gather could kind of affect that and how you interact with people. And you know, I've not gone too deep with it yet, but this is the first time I've kind of really tried to rather than just go at a 4x game on my own and go I'll get this eventually I've I've been playing it alongside YouTube videos at the moment and it's really helping me I'm beginning to get an understanding of it yeah again I'm gonna possibly maybe step back for a few weeks while we've got other stuff and at the start of the new year possibly look at doing a video series on it as I try and relearn it all over again. Um, it's the beauty of ADHD. You step away from something from a few weeks, you're like, well, <laughs> I don't know what this is. Fair point. Um, but yeah, the reason it's been spoke about, I suppose I should, let's remember to see what it was called, the DLC. Uh, where is the DLC? It's the Aquatics Species Pack has just been released. Right. Which is... Uh, just over a fiver um and the aquatic species pack just basically it expands the game a bit further with new species like new races and stuff like that adds new story beats uh different races you might meet on the on the uh different planets and again stuff like i'm just reading the notes and stuff like some people who play these games might understand there's a new Civic, a new Ascension perk, whatever that means. There's a ton of new cosmetics that come with it as well. And yeah, it's yeah, it seems like, again, if you're really into this, and I can see why people get really into this, 
it's meant to be very different to a lot of the other packs they've released in terms of the different species. But yeah, that's 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 why it's kind of into it and I'm probably not going to get to pick up on the aquatic species pack for a while myself so that's why I'm mentioning it that's why I got the code the aquatic species pack is out it's getting very positive reviews on steam give it a go and stay tuned to our channel in the future because you can watch me make a fool of myself trying to play a grand strategy game nice I uh yeah they feel like like separate lives almost those kind of games sometimes that that you could just take up your entire world if you become obsessed with them which is a good yeah a good thing and a bad thing like most things in life um but it's certainly impressive i think it's got a huge following hasn't it it's a it's a really big franchise now oh yeah it's um the people who love it absolutely love it and they Oh, excuse me, they, they will swear by it and they dedicate their entire game into it. Yeah. But again, I think vanilla as a vanilla game, you go in, it's impenetrable. The fact that I'm needing to use YouTube to even get a clue, that's the problem with these games. They're impenetrable for newcomers. Yeah. But that's what they've always been. So I, I don't I can't I don't know whether I should complain about it or not, because it's just what they've always been. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's yeah. It's like you know, in the time I like, I've decided it'll be easier to learn quantum physics than understand these games sometimes. But there you go. I know it's um. I think there's a point at which that some I don't know some developers have done it, but there's a point I think where they're going to have to recognise that you release a YouTube tutorial or a link to it or whatever as you're releasing your game. You know, yeah, and just go look hands up we're not going to pretend that this is something we can explain to you in a manual or a pdf here's you know here's the thing that's been in around for 15 years youtube use that you know okay. here's dave double x 25 mm. he'll talk you through what the game is you know we gave him the game early and he's going to explain it to you yeah play yeah. along with them yeah yeah, yeah. i think it should, it's something that should become a bit more <laughs> a bit more normalized well, it's something um, uh, Railroot does actually. Is they uh, there's a there's a bunch of YouTube videos instead of proper tutorials within the game. Like there are like pop up text bits that tell you as you play it and stuff like that. But it actually released um, a series of uh, beginner tutorials. So this is how you build a track. This is why you know the things you need to consider, stuff like that. And uh, build that up via YouTube video. So I think some places are doing it. But yeah, no, it's, it's you know I think it is something that does need to become normalised. Yeah, let's hope it's just yeah standard. I mean, I'm not going to need one for playing Halo, but you know, <laughs> for anything that's vaguely 4xe sim wise, TRPG, anything like that, yeah, 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 go for it, kind of thing. Yeah, and again, I, I the, like Microsoft Flight Simulator. I learned a lot of that via Squirrel on YouTube, yeah, rather than what came in the game. I was like. I don't know what it's trying to say to me. What I don't know what what button, why? I, but then watch Squirrel's videos. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I can actually see them doing it and what the effect is. And at the same time, he explains what what the different terms are and why these things work like that. So yeah, the, the, I I think that's something that we need to embrace more of. And the in the game, they need to say. Take stop, go and watch these as you play. Yeah, yeah, 
Sounds good to me. Mm. So one thing I want, I'll have a little chat because it's uh, about ADHD. Just a quick one because it's kind of not reared its head again in my in my life. It's always always there, but it's like going through like I, I've got ADHD. Still waiting to get a proper diagnosis because the NHS is crap. Uh, my son is diagnosed, but the other day in the car, my daughter was uh, finishing school, was taking her to a uh, football, and. Um, Lorraine was asking about how her day at school was, like, what do you have for dinner? What do you have for lunch? You know, what did you learn about? Can you remember this? And she just went, she went, Mummy, I can't, I can't. She went, um, you're trying to ask me all these, you ask me questions, and it's like everything's rushing around in my head and crashing into each other, and it confuses me. I was like, okay, Edith's got ADHD. I mean, it's, she's clearly had ADHD anyway, but I was like, hearing her, like, she was still four then, just before she, ah! No, she was five. She had turned five. It was the day after she turned five. But being able to hear her clearly explain what ADHD was doing to her in her head without understanding it was ADHD, it was a really weird feeling. It was both upsetting, but also kind of um, reassuring. Like, I, I feel, you know, because she can explain it, we'll get her diagnosis hopefully fairly quick. It won't be dragged out like Lucas's was. And like mine's been, uh, but she explained. She she was explaining it, and it was like, okay, yeah, you've explained it better than I ever really have. And then I was kind of saying, but that's yeah, it's similar to how it is in my head. Um, I said, but it's not crashing around that it makes me confused. It's all crashing around in my head. I try to get out in terms of I pause and I struggle to get the words out, and I I stutter and lots of breaks lots of, you can hear as i'm talking down lots of weird noises and and and, and um ticks and things like that and um it was just like but she's explained it so so well and what what's really upsetting is the wrong word but what's really disappointing is it's still something that i don't think gets enough credence gets enough awareness in the public space which is a shame because Lucas is autistic with it as well. Edith comes across as very naughty. She's very energetic. She's definitely got the hyperactive side of it. And my main worry is that she is going to get pigeonholed as a troublemaker or someone who distracts classes all the time and and stuff like that. Um, So, again, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make. It was just something that happened this last week. That I just went, ah, oh, God, we're in for a long run with this one. I, yeah, I was watching uh, a load of TikToks this week, and my algorithm, <laughs> the way that, like, t- TikTok's got a really aggressive algorithm. So if you watch a couple of things uh, on one subject, then that tends to be a lot or all of what you get. And so my my feed is very much full of, you know, trans people and trans rights and uh yeah stuff like that and it's also autism uh adhd and stuff like that and all that that kind of blows up my entire feed (laughs) which is pretty good (laughs) it's great it's great because it it's very educational and one one thing was um i can't remember who it was now but they were talking about completely tearing down the way that schools work and systems of schools because they're all geared towards uh, yeah, I think it was actually Laura K. Buzz again. <laughs> um, yeah. 
that yes i'm pretty sure she was saying that yeah the whole way that it works is just designed to make you a basically a robot ready for a capitalist society yeah and to get you in a state where you're willing to accept that you can't eat when you're hungry that you can't go to the toilet when you need to can't get a glass of water when you want one that there that's all controlled by somebody else uh, and it in, entirely needs to be pulled apart and rebuilt uh, because it's completely wrong and this was through the lens of somebody who is auto- autistic and but it also yeah. not, it applies to all kids but it it must particularly apply to ADHD kids with ADHD because you know the way that they control their impulses is different yes and the way that they express their impulses is different and therefore if they're not conforming to this very narrow pattern of behavior that's been set out for them then they're a troublemaker and it's complete rubbish it is just rubbish that's total rubbish and what i always remember is when i was in primary school that you'd interact with kids in the playground and you know they could one of them would be like your best friend or one of your best friend or on the rise you know you're like hmm this one might become one of my best friends you know that kind of a scenario and you play a game with them to sort of determine whether you know whether that's going to be the case or not so you might play a game of tick or british bulldog or something and you might have a game of footy with them or something like that um and then you go into the classroom and all that happens is they're getting like told off by the teacher all the time. Yeah. And there's this huge disconnect between, well, you're like, but they're lovely. They've been nothing but nice to me and we've had nothing but fun. And now they're being treated like they're some sort of villain. Yeah. And like, you're picking that up even as a kid and you, you just can't understand it. And it just feels like, you know, punitive measures. It feels like, you know, somebody that you care about is being unfairly punished. And some of that must have been to do with neurodivergence must have been yes oh yeah it's again it's it's frustrating a lot of people see neurodivergence as something that's you it's not you it's just we we're able to see it now or we we need to understand it i think is is the right word not see it we need to understand it in, in some respects uh but it's for example like this is going to sound like bragging um edith is super popular at school like super popular yeah uh, because she talks to anyone, um, she's funny, she loves playing. And uh, we had her first, like, uh, parent-teacher thing. Uh, like, lovely teacher. She wasn't, like, complaining about it. She went, she goes, like, Edith, she's, like, she does all everything she's got to do. She loves being here. Um, she goes, we sometimes struggle to get her to sit down and do, like, and, and concentrate on the, like, the right, like the phonics and the writing and, and stuff like that. She'd rather be playing which wasn't a complaint it's just like just like so she's she's a little bit behind a couple of the other kids with that but nothing we're worried about that, that's fine that's fine um she also sees like a speech and language expert because she's got a lisp and she struggles with some words which we're not sure if that's actually a physical thing or whether that's purely the adhd and she's struggling to get words out or some words get confused or, or whatever it is but anyway yeah. Um, the ADHD side they kicked in because she heard this to Edith and she almost went no f*** you I'll show you and came home and for like four days solid was practising writing words I mean it looked like the scribblings of a madman on bits of paper around there yeah I say she was doing but because again ADHD is a determinism about it as well it's like no I can do this I'll show you 
But yeah, it's, you know, I, uh, why are we trying to get everyone to be able to just sit down and do stuff? Let kids show their creativity. Um, as I said, I've learned more about physics watching squirrel videos not squ- not squirrels in the animals but squirrels like flight simulator videos and stuff like that where they explain the physics of of airplanes and stuff like that and made it made sense in a fun way that you could actually try out in flight simulator i think we spoke about this before bringing video games as a way to learn into school yeah. again i'm not saying like let all the kids play halo at school but simulator games you know you, you know Kane, you know, set all the kids the task of playing Jurassic World Evolution where there's a business aspect to it. Can you build up this park and turn a profit? What did you need to do? And they discuss what you had to do in that game to do it. But again, it's, I think the teachers would be up for that because a lot of teachers are now young or younger and they've play, they've grown up playing games watching films and understanding important aspects of the importance they've had in their lives but unfortunately the problem is the rule makers are still old and don't want it to change yeah. um but I, you know i know that i've learned more as an adult because i've been finding ways to learn things in ways that i want compared to when i was at school and i was bright at school i was good at school I actually think I black, but I was able to blag stuff. I've got this. I can, yeah, I can blag. I don't know why, and I think I just about managed to blag my way through school, um, and just got lucky with exams. I think, but it's yeah. But we've got to find this new way of learning, and it's, we we can see the difference. Like Lucas had Lego when he was younger, and he he kind of really he play with it, but never really showed interest. And again, we're only noticing the, how how much he's had autism as a younger. Now we've got Edith. Because he would like he'd get his Lego and he would literally build a single tower, like of bricks, like, like a single file, up it goes. Yeah. And Edith apparently, like one of her friends, gave her some Lego for her birthday, and she's really creative with it. Apparently, she goes around like her friend's house and she plays with it and she builds things. She doesn't care for the instructions; just build, build, build. Absolutely loves doing that. And it's like, oh yeah, she does like doing that. And she's got the imagination when she plays with all her toys. There's imagination. She makes their characters up or she repeats what she's seen on like the, the shows she watches. I bought Lucas Thundercats like when that was rebooted and he just kind of went, played with them, like kind of moved them around a bit on Christmas Day and then they got chucked in a cupboard and forgot about. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's, if we had a more of an understanding with like the schools actually running so well, you'd be able to pick up his autism more. Um, and even though he's ADHD, yes, of course he's quite happy for structure because that's what his autism wanted. But we was unable to pick that up at school properly because it is in such a regimented way. Whereas if you'd found other ways of doing things, maybe that's something we could have picked up earlier. And it's why he struggles or struggle to keep friends. You know, ice hockey and, and stuff like that. It, it, it Like fr- friends, like new people would come in. They'd, they'd meet Lucas. And like, I like Lucas, I like Lucas. And he'd go round, maybe have a sleepover. And then a few weeks later, he's dumped. And it's because people couldn't cope with him because there was no understanding of his autism. We didn't know how bad it possibly was yeah. because we had nothing to compare it to. Um, so we just thought, oh, other kids are old, well, they don't like Lucas. But now we get it. And now he's found, like at school, he's found a friend who is very similar to him, a bit more confident, but has the ADHD like he has and stuff like He gets on really, really well, and he's got a best friend. And I'm really proud of him for that. 
But it's, yeah, again, this is all the schools have got to change. They have got to change to allow more neurodivergence and rather than the old way of thinking of you're a bit special, there's a school over there for you. That cannot happen anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, totally agree. Oh, I've got so much to say on the subject. I feel like I've been uh, absolutely immersed in it this week in a really good way, you know, and learning a lot. Yeah. And it's that excitement of the possibility of things being really different, you know. And yeah, I, I think that trying to keep it as sort of narrow as I can, I think that in terms of reconstructing schools, it's so important to just understand how people learn. Um, yeah. And the only experience I can bring to the table is from when I was a trainer. So I used to train people on how to use software. And what I learned very, not very quickly, over time, I guess is fair to say, is that when you explain how to do something for people, they don't, they can't take it in very well um, because we learn by doing. And if you combine that, with trusting what people are interested in when they're kids, that's a really good way of teaching. Because I think that, you know, a lot of people who are neurotypical get a pass. So I got a pass for not being good at maths. It was just like, oh, yeah, but you're good in other areas. And it's like, well, yes. you know, should I have got a, path, a pass for not being good at maths? Would I, you know, would I be a better person? Would I have more skills and be more useful, you know, and, and be more complete if I if I was taught in a better way that suited me? Because the way that I was taught just didn't go in. And there's people around me going, oh, yeah, yeah you're not saying it externally, but, you know, there's other teenagers around me and you can see the light in their eyes and you can see them writing things down and getting it. And I'm sitting there really upset with myself because I... I you know, I visualise myself as somebody who's, you know, reasonably intelligent, intelligent enough to pick stuff up, but then is not able to pick this thing up. And it makes you very, very sad and upset as a, as a child. Mm. And it's just like, you know, I learned so much from training people because it was training. It start, I started off training booksellers on how to use computers, you know, new bookselling software. And I mentioned before, you know, if there's anything that's further away from the rigidity and specificity of computers, it's learning to love books and reading. And uh, yeah. so training these people was was a real challenge. And it taught me that, yeah, step away, let them get into it, let them teach themselves the patterns of it, and they teach you shortcuts. Like, they were teaching me shortcuts I hadn't even thought of because they were experiencing it for themselves. And I think that, I mean, I'm no expert in in in, in education or in, or in kids learning or anything, but it seems to me from my experience as a kid that if you brought, like, say, three things to them, right, and you went, Okay, we're doing maths. What I can do is I can sit with you for five minutes and talk about this thing. I can leave you with a physical puzzle for five minutes and then talk to you about that for two minutes. Or I can leave you with a video and you can watch it and then we can talk about that for 30 seconds. And letting them, and you can say to them, you can do all three, you can do two, you can do one, you can do none, you can tell me how you want to learn. Even to somebody who's five years old, I think that they would get something massive from that. I think it would completely change the way that they viewed a topic. 
Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And the, the structure of school still is we put the better children at a subject into a top class and those who aren't as good into a bottom class and then there's a, a, like a middle um, set as well and stuff like that. And looking back, I, you know, I was generally top class for quite a few things, middle for others. But the ones I was middle in, I went, oh, I'm a failure. I can't. I'm not good enough at this. What's wrong with me? I've got to be good at everything because that's how school's structured. You've got to be good at everything. Yeah. And I remember like looking back now, the kid was a prick. Not going to lie. Um, he, he, he was a prick. But he was in the bottom class for everything apart from maths. Uh, no, not maths, science. Sorry, loved science in like year seven, year eight. And when they did split him, he got put in bottom class for maths, English, um, other stuff, other stuff, other stuff. Uh, but was originally put in the top class for science. Uh, but was put down to the bottom class in science after a year. And I didn't know why. I just thought, I oh, was a dick. And I must reiterate, he was. But I was like, it's only when I started looking back and going, why did he drop from top class in science? If he really enjoyed science, why did he drop? Why was he dropped down? Why was he... Because you've told him pretty much everything else. You're useless. And you're then expecting this kid to then really want to focus on that one thing. Whereas now I look at it and go, well, if he's really good at science, but not good at maths and English, what can you do to use those to encourage him to get better at those? He really likes science. Well, get him to explain his findings or whatever he was doing inside so it was really positive and then write his papers and use the English to help write those papers and stuff like that for different parts of science obviously you need to know how to sort of like numbers work together and stuff like that use that within the science they will want to learn not just oh you're crap at maths and English bottom class because you get a reputation that way and it, it, that's one of the, where it does need to change. That's one of the things where it does need to change. I, I think we need to stop looking at compartmentalising education and finding ways to make it work in different ways for different kids. If you've got to bring more, train more teachers and get more teachers in or get more experts, do it. Yeah, that's always the that's always the thing I say when people go, "Oh, but we've got to bring more people in." And yeah, and. It's the same, again, I'll, I'll say it again. It's the same way you solve homelessness. My daughter gets it because we asked her. We said to her, actually, I'll tell her what, what she said. We said to my daughter, how, how, what would you do with homeless people? She went, put them in the bin. I was like, Jesus Christ, there you do. <laughs> and she went, I'm only joking. <laughs> I went, thank God for that. What would you do? She went, well, put them in a house. Yep, brilliant. Well done, solved homelessness. I know, right? I know. Yeah, but can't do that. Why? Because it'll cost money, and but we don't have we do have money. Money's made up. It's like you've not given me a reason why we can't solve homelessness. I know, I know, I know. But rent people might have to live in a house for free. So be it. Let everyone live in a house for free. If they want a bigger house that's too big for them, then they pay. But give everyone a house for free. Yep. There we go. <laughs> sorted. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's socialist, and then you become Russia. <laughs> No, you don't. But but it's the same with education. You need extra people. Do it. You know. Do we do we have to keep education to the classroom? Can we move education out to do other things? 
can we take them out into the workplace and, and things like that? Maybe, you know, again, it's not, I'm not saying that is the answer. And DBS checks everything that would obviously be a nightmare. But let's look at solutions, not just, nah, we can't do that. That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely. I agree. I, I think there's all sorts of really good things that you could do that, you know, they might cost money, but if they cost money, it's only because things have been defunded so badly yeah. that they should have been at that rate anyway, you know? Um, I, I think my big one that I always bang the drum on is that I, I would get rid of homework just completely. Uh, def- yeah. Definitely for primary school, and I'm leaning uh, towards also for secondary as well. Um, oh, no, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely get rid of I would get rid of You don't take your work home with you after a nine to five, or you shouldn't be. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, get rid of homework completely. I would get rid of homework. I think I would have more of a um, choice around what subjects you're allowed to do outside of just your GCSEs. Um, I think there should be more of a focus on getting, you know, allowing people to get to a competent level in stuff and then, like you said, sort of easing off the pedal on the stuff they're already good at, you know? It's like, don't just go, oh, okay, yeah, so you're those things. I don't often swear and then have to edit myself. You're rubbish at those things. <laughs> um, you're rubbish at those things, so you, we're going to lose that and we're going to pump you up in the areas you're already good at. It's like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know, you should be like, yeah, no, like, you don't need to teach me more anything about, you know, anything particularly about English. I'll just sit in class and that'll be enough for me. Um, what you need to do is you need to bring me up on maths and you need to find new ways of doing it. Uh, so I would focus more on that. So, yeah, anyway, it's all sort of blue sky in, but there are different ways. It's nice well, to know there are different ways and that people see that there are different ways. See, I'm a big believer in primary school, junior school, is where you should be learning the bulk of your basic English and maths. That That's where it should be picked up. Yeah. Because that's where you learn language. By the way, sign language from primary school, bring it in. Yeah, yeah. It's a no-brainer. Uh, but language... And, and sort of like learning logic. It's not even learning maths, it's learning logic. That happens in primary school and junior school, like infant and juniors. As soon as you get to secondary, start letting kids focus on what they want to do. Do you know what? If they change their mind after two years going, oh, I thought I wanted to be a scientist, but actually I'm really interested in just the computer part, change. Yeah. Change. Yeah. Because they will, you'll get so much energy from them. I remember learning more at college because I focused on graphic design than I did at school on graphic design because I had like an hour a week and I learned nothing. Went to college and that was all I did. And I found I enjoyed it more and I got more out of it. Whereas at school, you don't. Unless, but you could have taken away geography, history, uh I like Darby, so maybe not Darby. Um, geography, history, English, and a couple of other bits, maybe a couple of the sciences, and just, like allowed me to do extra graphic design because that's what I wanted to be. At 40, I regret it now because graphic design is a horrible job. No one should ever go into graphic design, but I got to do what I wanted to be. And I'd done that at the college side of it rather than the school side of it. But I know things about science that, great, might help me on the chase doesn't help me in real life no i, I get it yeah that's that's it I'm, 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 if i go again we're another half hour yeah in, so i'm gonna i, if I could i would be I'm, I'm just gonna hard shut up <laughs> well no i'm glad that uh, you know it's it's really good that edith's got that kind of even if it's not a formal diagnosis that, that people recognize 
you know, where she is and how intelligent she is. And, yeah. you know, it'll just, it'll help. It'll help knowing that from this age where you can direct her, I, I guess, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to add in, and you'll have to get your bleep buttons read. Okay, okay. This, this, this is not even a negative thing. Um, she got really angry in the car the other day. And um, Lucas, again, he's autism. He will not swear. He will not even. We are like young boys of Bird play at a stadium called the Wankdorf Stadium. He won't even say that. <laughs> he's got a teacher called Doctor. He's got a teacher called Doctor Pratt. Won't even say their name. Right. That's how much he he cannot swear. Yeah. He doesn't care about swearing. He just cannot do it. Edith, nah. She got angry in the car. Someone like she was getting something. She was nearly going to get told off, and like Lucas laughed at her just briefly. She turned round, right, and get your butter ready. She went, Lucas. I'm gonna fuck you in the fucking brain, you fucking fuck. <laughs> oh man, that is impressive. Yeah, I was like, we we all started just cracking up because <laughs> she was so angry with it. Yeah, but she drops f bombs and different words like, but she knows she'll do it here and stuff. She will not do it at school or around people like that's not us. And I think. She's five and she's got this understanding of when and when not to swear. Yeah, yeah. How? That's impressive. It's great, though, because yeah, it shows, but... like, a real honesty with it that, you know, she knows that it will upset some people. Yeah. So that she shouldn't say it around them. And that's... Well, no, I don't think it knows that it will upset some people. I think she knows she'll get into serious trouble. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah no, I don't think it comes to that. But it's... She goes... She, but she, she can switch it on and off. She's... I don't know if she's got multiple personality disorder or if she's going to be bipolar, but she'll come out of school and as we leave the school, she's like, bye, friend, bye, friend. I won't say their names, obviously, but bye, friend, bye, friend. I'm like, bye, Edith, bye, friend, bye, friend. All really pleasant. As soon as you're out of earshot, I want to go, I want to go to that bread. I was like, and then, like, she was doing it once. She's like, I'm really angry. Popped around the corner, saw one of her friends. Well, hello, friend. Daddy. You are, She's gonna. We said she's gonna talk herself into a being bottled at a nightclub, but somehow talk herself out of it as well. <laughs> Sounds about right. That, is this before uh, or after she's been inside for the serial killing? Ah, uh, no, this will be before. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. They won't. Yeah. They won't catch her until until she's got to about thirty victims. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. She'll probably only get caught when she gives herself up as well. Yes. Yeah, she's like, I'm bored of this now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, that's it. My, my daughter's got a potty mouth. If you get anything from this show, shame we can't title it what she said. I know. <laughs> I know. You bleeping bleep. Yeah. Yes. Right, but I'm going right, to... Shush. I'm, I'm, shut up, Brad. <laughs> well, it was. it's a good discussion. I, and I could carry on myself talking about it for ages because it's one of those things you're like, it's so simple, you know, to the way that you can unlock people's potential and stuff like that. And also recognising that kids go through all sorts of phases. And I was talking to my mum yesterday about uh, my nephew and she was reminiscing about a time where she was looking after him. Um, It was actually when he was very new. It was at the the, uh, London 2012 Games. My mum went down to look after him whilst 
my sister and her then husband went to the Olympics because he managed to get some tickets. Yeah. And she was playing, you know, she was playing like games with him where they were pretending to do Olympic things, you know, with throwing things around and as you do. And the, he was doing And taking steroids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the big one. <laughs> Getting blood tra- How to hide your dope. Uh, yeah. Blood transfusions <laughs> and all that caper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so she was talking about that and she was talking about different things that they'd done when he was older and that she was worried that they don't have that connection anymore and I I just said well you know you've got to remember kids change and they change so fast but the one consistent thing is that they love you you know that she that he loves you and that's that's not changed yeah and because he's a child the way that he expresses it will have changed but you know the actual core of it is exactly the same and I think you know that's one thing to remember from my perspective that's one thing to keep in in mind as well that that they change and you've got to float with that you've got to recognize that no matter where they are in a neurodivergent level or neurotypical level they're going to be different and you've just got to roll roll with that and let them dictate stuff to a certain degree so yeah there we go I've told the world how to behave around children and I am childless. So, yeah, go on, stick that in your pipe. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, right, but actually, one of the points I was going to make when we were talking about education that I forgot and now it's just come back to... Oh, go on. You often hear hear in, like, these, like, right-leaning TV talk shows and stuff like that going, oh, kids today, they're going to go to school and they're going to learn YouTube and how to make YouTube videos. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Precisely. Everything that goes into making a YouTube video, why not teach them that? The different aspects that go into that. Why not have a project that they start off with going, by the way, kids, produce a podcast. Yeah. Because it's not, well, for me it is, it's just talking into a mic. But for you it's not. You've got to do the editing and and, and stuff like that. But it's um, like, but sure, teach them that. Teach them how the different dials work on sound mixers and stuff like that. It's practical and it teaches them there's various different bits that they're actually going to need. You know, talking to camera is a skill that you need. Like, I think you could use in other aspects. It's because um, I often said, if I wasn't bullied as a child and I had more confidence, I reckon I would have gone on to possibly do work in entertainment, possibly. You know, yeah. I, I could present a show. Because I, yes, I trip over myself and I'm raw and stuff like that here. But um, I, we was watching a YouTube video a little while back, all of us, and like the person who was on it was so monotone on their video. And I was just like, Jesus, I can't, there's just nothing. You're talking about something you love. Put some passion into it. Yeah. I was like, just come on. Love it. And that's where it came from. And like, Luke, I think uh, Lucas turned around and went, could you do any better? I went, yeah, I really could. I said, because I've got, okay, I hate my voice, but I've got, I've got pitch, I've got tone, you know, when I'm excited about something, you know, when I'm angry about something, you know, when I'm trying to be serious about something, have a laugh. I've got those different pitches and tones. And like I said, I probably could have been a presenter. I could have done what Bradley Walsh is doing on the chase and stuff like that, because had I worked out and had the confidence when I was younger, I could have honed those skills rather than it just being a raw thing that i do now i could have learned how to actually hone those skills and find different ways of not tripping over myself and, and things like that so do you know what at school 
Let them make YouTube videos or do podcasts or whatever and film it. Learn how to film something. Learn how to edit something because that's going to give them so many other life skills as well. And do you know what else it is? Do you know what else it is? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. It's um, It would teach you all sort of mechanical things, but also, yeah, like you say, public speaking and, you know, confidence, how to modulate your voice, how to communicate with people, uh, you know, how to be creative in edit and also with green screen and stuff like that. Yeah, it's got tons of stuff. It's, it's like, yeah. instead of going, no, you don't need that, which is an old an old person view of it is like yeah embrace the technology and use it you know because uh, it's got value it wouldn't be here if it hadn't so yeah, yeah it'd be like turning around the guy you don't need it class yeah <laughs> i think that was very much the point as well at some points yeah, yeah. in the past and now mm. you can't imagine not having it they do computer science and they learn to code at school so it's like just just, just you know you, you, you're almost there you, you're almost getting it well, yeah, a, it's that thing push. of unless we we know that there's a market that you can go into that we understand and that we can make money off, <laughs> then we're not going to, yeah. you know, yeah. So anyway. And, but then they'll f*** the bed and not do it because they'll turn around and they'll go, Jimmy, Jimmy, what sort of film are you making in that room? Just a Poldo miss. <laughs> well, if it's a quick win and it gets your money, who cares? I casted the, casted the actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mr. Anderson was desperate to get in on oh, it. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> God, there was some dodgy... <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other different story. But yeah, I think that's probably up. enough for one week. <laughs> hard shut up. Hard shut up. <laughs> but it was good. Uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully that, that you know had some resonance with the people listening. If you've got your own ideas on how you know things should be done in schools, you know, get in touch. We're always available and we always like to hear listener feedback. Uh, we would like to, you know, for once, hear some listener feedback. That would be fantastic. You know, as I said before... You know, you might hate my voice. Tell me, I don't mind. It's not going to hurt me. I don't. Uh, but my partner loves your voice. Who does? Sorry, Lorraine. She loves your. Oh, voice. does she? Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I can do a, a special recording just for her, and she can pay me. Uh, I mean, that might. Might. No, you see, as it turned out, when Mel likes your voice. Just, just <laughs> pointing that out. Well, no, because I just immediately think about myself. You know, uh, egotistical. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Far from that, Stu. That's one thing you don't do. <laughs> oh well that's very nice but anyway yeah lots of great stuff covered i hope we didn't bore you by going on too long because i'm going to keep this as long as it's been because it's been a good chat so yeah in the meantime everybody enjoy your games enjoy your conversations enjoy listening to us because we're the best and in the meantime stay safe and stay sane <laughs>